Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Consumer Electronics Show, the largest tech show in the world, kicks off this week, and we're excited about all the announcements, especially the ones for the things that actually exist. Apple officially announced the pre-order and launch dates of the Vision Pro Mixed Reality headset, and guest host tech-savvy Diva is contemplating getting one. The black tech talent gap is widening, and it could cost black households $350 billion by 2030. And post-George Floyd murder DEI initiatives at big tech companies had about a three-year run. We got all this and more for you in episode 112 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And from Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Nika Montford. And also from Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. I also read 3,000 books by the age of eight and ran and ran a 4-0, 100-yard dash um, in my prime. So I'm, 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 I agree with Cat Williams on that. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, every, everybody runs a 4.0. Uh, we, we go definitely talk. Did you see that? But did you see the video where he ran it? And like, uh, I think he was in the, uh, University of Memphis, uh, gym and he ran it in the gym and had somebody time it. No, I didn't see that. No. Yeah. Sure that, what was the time? Four flat. It wasn't no four, one, four, two, four, it was three, like a, four, four. It was like a, four, it was a four, four. It was a four, four. Oh, that's pretty four, fast. Four. Okay. All right. That, that, that is, that is pretty fast, but. He's talking about four dot oh something. So I'm like, I'm not okay. Um, I see you, Catley. That, that's that's pretty fast. But if he was running what he said he was running, he would be he would have been running in Olympics or something like that. He 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 wasn't always doing comedy. He, you know, he would have been running track mm-hmm. in high school and then in high then in college and then probably going to the Olympics running like that. Because that means he's probably running sub ten hundreds. Which there's what thirty thirty people on earth that can do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, but we, we will definitely get to that at the uh, end of the show. I, I got to start off saying happy new year. Cause this is our first show of the year. And also Nika, thank you for joining the show. So y- y'all who are not watching us right now may not realize that, uh, that, that voice you hear in the middle of me and Terrence is not Stephanie. That is Nika Monfort, <laughs> AKA tech savvy diva. Stephanie is out in Vegas this week, hanging out at CES picking up all the news and there's a lot of it that is going on out there. So hopefully she will have a great report for us when she comes back next week. But Nika, thank you so much for on short notice uh, filling in um, for us. 
And uh, so we're for gonna, having me. It's always good to be here with you guys. It's absolutely a pleasure having you. And we're going to go ahead and get into some tech news in just a moment. But before we do, I do want to let everyone know that we are on Patreon. So if you like to support the tech, John, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech, John. We've got multiple tiers over there, any one of which gets you access to our live stream and our after party. So in addition to us being a podcast that you listen to, we also are a video show that you can watch. And to do that, you've got to become a patron. So once again, head over to Patreon com forward slash the tech john three tiers over there anyone gets you access to our live stream and uh, after party and also two of those three get you access to an ad free stream so you do not have to listen to ads in your rss feed if you choose to do so so once again that is techjohn.com slash patreon or patreon.com forward slash the tech john either one works so with that as i said y'all tech life steph is hanging out at ces um must be nice somebody to Sin for you, get you flewed out. Probably one of the reasons why. out to the Vegas. Probably one of the reasons why I've never been to CES because uh, <laughs> one of my checking for your boy and it falls around the holidays. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of uh, trying to manage all that stuff. Yeah, she had being she, off for the holidays and then turn around right back around and be another couple of days in Vegas. I'm like, yeah, that's a lot. Um, I was uh, I was planning on going and then I don't want to say the last minute, but probably about three weeks ago decided, you know what? Um, that's, that's a, that's a heck of a check to go walk around and look at tech that I can't get yet. So, and that I, ain't out, that ain't, that ain't out. out yet. That ain't never coming out. And, uh, <laughs> much of it will be coming out, but it's like, there's only so many TVs I can have in one house. J- just in my office, I got a TV right there. I got a TV right there and I got a TV on the wall right there. And then around the corner, there's another TV. I can only have so many, I, you know, I can't, I can't get any more. So, uh, but anyway, y'all, did any, did either one of you see anything that kind of piqued your interest as far as what's going on to CES this week? No, um, I'm still flabbergasted. That's the, how much those robo vacuums cost. Now I have, we actually have two of them, but they're like the super cheap ones, like a hundred, 150, 200 bucks. And they kind of die pretty quickly. So sooner or later, we're going to invest in a nice one that maybe even does the vacuum and, and does like the mopping for the hardwood floors, the hard surfaces. But them things cost $1,500, $1,700, $2,000. And it's like, I'm not doing that for no vacuum cleaner. Well, I got a vacuum in the house and three kids in the house. So it's like, well, we won't be doing that. But I see a lot of those coming out at CES and they've got, they empty themselves and they do all these other things. It's like, yeah, I'm not paying $1,500 for no vacuum cleaner. I'm sorry. Well, the uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. I mean, I was just going to say, I I really haven't seen anything that really has made me say, yes, I have to have this immediately or I want this. Uh, I I've been kind of to me a little bit underwhelmed, Um, maybe as the as it officially gets started, maybe as some more stuff starts to come out, then maybe my interest will be peaked. But right now, nothing has really jumped out at me and said, you must have me. Well, Terrence, you know, you you have to keep in mind that that $1,500 vacuum cleaner, it actually allows you, or at least one of the models this this up in that range, allows you to do video conferencing. So, you know, being able to video conference from your vacuum cleaner that you aren't actually using, which happens to go away from you. What I, I would I would imagine that if you're using a vacuum cleaner, there's a robot. The goal is for you not to have to be around it. So I don't know how the 
you know, how the video conferencing would work. But hey, they added it in there and AI because AI isn't everything now. Uh, AI in a robot vacuum cleaner. Yeah. A- but why would you want a camera in a robot vacuum cleaner for for video conferencing? I'm going to guess because they could put it in there and they could charge you more for it. That seems like a waste of effort to me. <laughs> like, couldn't you come up with something better I'm, I'm try- to put in the vacuum cleaner? I'm trying to figure that out. It's like, at what point would I want to do video conferencing on my vacuum cleaner robot? But hey, s- some product manager said this was a good idea. Well, my uh, guess is some product director said, yeah, I think you're right. And th- that now exists as a product you can purchase. My guess is um, you don't have to stay stationary while you're on a call. If you're on a if you work remote and you're on a call, you can walk to the kitchen and get dinner ready and the little robot will follow you around so you can still stay on the call. I don't know. If that's any difference in switching the conference call to my phone and taking my phone <laughs> To the kitchen. Right, but, because uh, the whole goal of the vacuum cleaner is to clean up dirt and dust, right? Yeah, I guess. Hmm. I guess so. But would you have to pick it up? Because most of them are like little flat like discs. Like I'm, I think maybe it has a stem on it. Yeah, it has, like a, a, has screen, like a whole has little a arm level. that swings up and yeah, it, it is it is very nineteen eighty four ish runaway. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that movie with Tom Selleck to where it was like futuristic movie back in the eighties with robots and this and that and the other. That's what I was thinking of when I saw it. But uh but yeah, rob you know, a robot vacuum cleaner. That part I can get. Like they've been around long enough. Okay, that makes sense. It's going to go sweep up, get the dust, you know, and they actually they actually do work fairly well at this point. I mean, I think when they first came out, they were a little gimmicky, but they've improved them over the, you know, however many years these things have been out. Um, But, yeah, I'm, I'm hard pressed to figure out the video conferencing aspect of it. I also saw a hall or I guess they have a whole area for like drone stuff. So. Um, I have not actually gotten a drone anytime recently. Um, I have like a remote control helicopter that I got probably 10 years ago. It was just like one of those mall gifts or get, I don't even say gag, but it's like a, like a kiosk set up in the mall and it, middle of the mall. Yeah. It, 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 it technically flies and does what it does, but I've not gotten into the, you know, into the higher end drones, but. I am interested to see just what some of these drones are, are doing. Cause I, you know, I actually uh, saw uh, a kid in my neighborhood that has a drone that he is always doing tricks and stuff like that on his skateboard in the middle of the street down the sidewalk. And now he has this drone where he literally takes a drone and just throws it up. And the drone literally just, you know, depending on what he set it for, just sits over his shoulder and records him. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, so I would be interested just to see all the flying helicopters and drones and sky taxis and all that kind of stuff, because I would have to imagine that they have a massive amount of those type of things out there. But I think really the, 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 the buzzword, the acronym is CES is going to be AI. I would not be shocked if AI is actually used more than CES is at CES because everything <laughs> is going to have AI in it. We were talking about this a little bit in, you know, in the green room before we started. AI is just going to become one of those catch all words like in the late nineties, early two thousands internet. Everything just had internet. What, what, what does having internet actually mean? You know, you have internet, um, you know, you know, capability, but you know, now it is going to be everything and a mama is going to have AI in it. Yep, sounds yeah. about right. 
And as far as the drones, I know one of my friend has a pretty nice one and it has to be like FAA regulated. Like you have to sign up and register um, your, your drone and depending on what you're using it for, you have to have different licenses. So if it's like real estate, it's like really, I didn't, I was like, I thought it was just something fun and neat to have, but it's pretty, it's, you have to have a lot of stuff to really, you know, use it and be in compliance because if you're out of compliance, that's the federal government. So it's just like a lot. And I was like, I, it's a lot. I've seen people kind of use it a lot for like travel. Like you see like your travel influencers and they have like these over the air shots of like their rooms or, you know, them doing like, um, aquatic type things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I, I didn't realize until she was telling me how, you know, the things she had to go through to get it. I was like, I did not realize that it was that serious. Oh yeah. So the one yeah, she got cost more than a few dollars because th- those yeah. ones are the ones that, uh, uh, they're generally over a certain weight, over a certain size, and that's what requires the the FAA. Uh, I'm I'm not there. If I was to get one, it'd be one of those little ones that folds up into the size of like a uh, like a like a small portable speaker or something like that. Everything folds in up on it, and you can just go pick it up at Best Buy. You don't need to get a license and register it and all that kind of stuff. I thought all of them had to have them, regardless of the size. Uh, here in Ohio, it's only over a certain size. Oh. So I, I guess if it is FAA registration, that's that's a federal thing. But that's federal. So it should be for everybody. Right. But that's for well, everybody. So but I do believe that some many drones that are under a certain size don't require you to get a license. Now, I could be making that up because I don't know. I don't have one. But that's, that's well, you what don't I need a well, you don't necessarily need a license, but you do need to get it registered because I had I had a, T, a DJI drone. It wasn't thousands of dollars. I think it was like seven or eight hundred dollars at the time. And I didn't use it enough. So I sold it. But in order to be compliant, I had to register it with the FAA and they had me a little card. And then every year you got to renew it, things of that nature. Now, again, if you're doing photography or you're doing commercial stuff, definitely different stuff goes along with that. But your average, I'd say $400 and up drone, you got to register that with the FAA. Wow, I did not know that. So another yeah, that's why I was like, I didn't realize it was that serious. But now, when maybe, you think about it in the scope of things, it makes sense because if you're able to fly overhead, go into you know people's yards, or if you're trying to look into, like, say, if you're trying to fly over a federal prison, for instance, like, and there's a there lot are restricted of, areas. Yep, a lot of them couldn't go near parks. When I had mine, I couldn't go near state parks. I couldn't go nowhere near airports. I can go nowhere near any sort of private, um, uh, any sort of private like f- uh, facility, which really kind of limited it to where you could go. And I really wasn't using it all that much anyway. I was like, yeah, this is for the birds. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember there was a game, this a football game, um, NFL game this past weekend and or it might have been two weekends ago. But they kept having these weird timeouts and like the announcers like, well, what's going on? It's like, you know, it shouldn't take this long for them to get this figured out. What's going on? And it turned out that somebody was flying a drone over the stadium. So they got to shut everything down from a game standpoint when that happens. So. So, yeah, I guess, you know, when you think about what those drones can do, 
Um, you know, the government wants to know who has them, you know, I guess, but you know, it's, it's not for me, but I, I would be interested. As, as I said, if I were at CES, one of the exhibits I would want to go see is just like the area where they have all the drones and the sky taxis and all that kind of stuff, because that stuff is just kind of cool to me. But there was some news y'all that came out today. It's been rumored for some time about the Apple vision pro, but we now have an actual date. It's coming out on February 2nd. And pre-order start at 8 a.m. January 19th. So my question to, to the two hosts of Snob OS cast, either one of y'all about to get one. Get one. I think you buried the lead. Get one what? Oh, Vision, Vision Pro? Pro. Vision Pro. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, Nika is. I'm a wait and see on this one. <laughs> I'm very, uh, like I said, when it first came out, I am very much leaning towards yes as a purchase. So... We'll see what happens when we get to the. I don't know. But when it first came out, you was like, "Yeah, I'm definitely getting one." Now it's yeah, I was definitely getting one. What changed? So I'm doing a lot of travel (laughs) in March. (laughs) So I'm like trying to uh, gauge whether I should be one of the first ones to get it or wait until I come back after my travel. Uh, So yeah, so that's kind of my only hesitation um, because at the time when they first announced them um, you know I really didn't have anything on the docket except for you know my birthday trip but now I have like two international trips you know within you know a few days of each other uh, the very end of February the very beginning of March so um, now I'm like "Hmm, we'll see but it's still not off the table it's still not off the table so I kind of wish they would have waited a little bit longer to announce the Vision Pro because now all the kind of the shininess is gone because we've known about it. We've seen about it. You know, these tech um, tech websites, these you know platforms have not stopped talking about it to where now Apple really didn't even have to come up with a little mini presentation to announce that it'll be available on February 2nd. They just put out a press release. And then all the tech journalists picked up on it, you know, which leads me to believe it's like it's going to be available starting February 2nd. But I wonder what kind of marketing blitz Apple is going to do, if any, to ramp to re-ramp up excitement for this thing, because we've known about it for, you know, over six, seven, eight months. So it's like I wonder if people are just going to keep that enthusiasm or is Apple going to have to re-ramp people up to get it? Yeah, because it's one of those things where it's it's been, like you said, so much in the news. And this is like the to me, this is like the new pivot point for Apple and some of the things that they plan on doing as far as product is concerned. And, you know, prior, this would have been a full blown announcement inviting everybody out to Apple Park, I mean, a big to-do. And now it's kind of going out or, well, coming out with kind of a whimper. Like, there's no bang, there's no gusto, there's no buildup because it's been talked about and rumored about for so long. It's not, it's lost some of its kind of like luster and flavor. That's why I'm now kind of like, "Mm, yeah, I'll probably get it. I don't know. I got some other stuff going on. I don't know. It just, it, it's, it kind of came out with a thud to me. So, so here's my theory. Here's what I'm thinking on this. And y'all can tell me, you know, what you think and, you know, if, if I'm wrong, but I wonder if 
the way Apple is doing this is intentional because number one, they want to control how many of these things are going to be out there. So they really are expecting that it's $3,500 is only going to be the enthusiasts who are really, really into this stuff. And then also the developers who want to see what can we create now that this exists are going to be the first folks who are going to go and get this. And they don't need another event. They simply just needed to know what was coming out and what the date is. I would be willing to bet, however, because we've already heard rumors that there's going to be another version of it that's going to cost significantly less. So I wonder if when that version comes out, is that when they will actually go and do the the whole event and it'll be where you just have orders of magnitude of people who are going to get it instead of because it won't be a thirty five hundred dollar device. It might be like a nineteen ninety nine device, maybe a fourteen ninety nine device or something like that. We shall see. Uh, Saray made a good point. Uh, since Apple has never, to my knowledge, ever attended CES or ever had any sort of booth or presentation, they kind of kept this Vision Pro announcement in the chamber and let it off around the same time as CES to to make sure that people are paying attention to Apple while CES is going on. Because, again, like I mentioned, Apple's never been at CES I can't remember the story behind that. I'm I'm pretty sure there's a story behind that, but I just can't remember what it is. But uh, maybe they like <laughs> probably some petty, no one well, Apple. Well, and it's around time Steve Jobs was around. Yeah. So Apple yeah. definitely something petty. Apple is not trying to share the spotlight with five thousand other exhibitors. They they they, they want to you know if, if they're going to do if they're going to spend the kind of money that Apple would spend on an event like this, let's just do our own event. Um, y'all, y'all can come to us instead of us having to go to you. Uh, I do believe that they're going to have a presence at WWDC, which they usually, uh, you know, do. So we'll, well see. That's their they, event. Yeah. So WWDC. Well, well yeah, it's, it's Apple's event. Yeah. It, it, that makes sense. I was just about to say that as I thought about it, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, the next thing for them. So clearly they're going to have a lot to say about it then. But, um, but I'm, I'm just really wondering because I kind of did say, yeah, they're really not making a lot of fanfare about this. They're going to steal some news cycles by announcing it the day before CES technically starts. But people are doing what people are doing. We're talking about it right now. Why? Because they told us, uh, you know, told us a date, told us when you can pre-order it. And we know that there will be masses of people who are going to go out and do that. Yeah. I wonder if there's a limited amount mm-hmm. that they're willing to sell. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Um, maybe 500,000. I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked because I think that Apple would much rather have too many and have people want it than to have too many. And they got them sitting on the shelves. So I I think that they are designed that there's going to be more people who want them than they actually create this first run. And as I said earlier, they'll go ahead and put all the buzz in when they come out with a version two or they come out with a second edition that maybe costs a little bit less and they can get that in there, um, you know, for, you know, for the regulars because $3,500 for, you know, for this device, that's, that's, that that is, that is a very high end gaming PC. I mean, a very high end gaming PC. And that's not including tax. It's not including the $149 or $249 for the $149. If you want to get the prescription lenses on the inside, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have, what is it? Um, I have near field. Is that what it's called? Nearsighted. 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 I'm nearsighted, meaning as things get far and far away, they get a little blurrier. Uh, I don't know if I'll need it for this because it's right in your front of your face. I really don't use my glasses outside of anything when I'm like outside of like watching TV or something like that or, you know, doing something in front of a computer. I wonder 
if the prescription thing will be that much of a difference when the thing is literally right on top of your face. And I'm interested to know, like, what type I know that, you know, some developers got access to uh, the headset prior so they could start building out things. I'm interested also to know what type of capability is going to come ready for this thing out of the box. So say you buy this $3,500 headset. Are you going to be able to do stuff with it? Are you going to be able to do enough stuff with it on the onset to justify the $3,500 price tag? Well, according to the uh, Apple press release, I'm uh, looking at Apple's newsroom. They said a million apps available in the uh, App Store. Okay. Uh, let me let me read this. Hold on, let me let me find the actual uh, quote. Um, hold on, give me a second. It says, "Ready to go." Um, player, well, this is the gaming part. Players can access games on the App Store, including more than 250 titles on Apple Arcade, 2K, uh, Sonic, and some other things. Um, I thought I thought I saw somewhere where it said a million apps available. Now, I'm pretty sure that's not all for just for the Vision Pro, but maybe oh, here we go. A- an all new app store provides users with access to more than one million compatible apps across iOS and iPad OS, as well as new experiences that take advantage of the unique capabilities of Vision Pro. That's all they say. So is it a separate app store for Vision Pro or is it a combination? I think you just go to app store and get everything. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we will see. And uh, you know you're going to have to come back on, Nikki, if you do get one of these. (laughs) In fact, not just come back on, but I want you to be wearing it as you do the show. (laughs) When you come back on so you can tell folks what the experience is like. Right. If it were were less expensive, if it was $1,200... I might consider it. Uh, me and my wife are taking a big trip in March uh, overseas, and this would be a perfect product to be sitting on an airplane for an extended period of time to where when I'm on a plane and I have my iPad, I've got the 12 inch iPad Pro. And, you know, I, sometimes I'd be like, well, if you nosy enough to re- look over my shoulder to watch what I'm watching, then that's your business. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, eh, mind your business. And I want something a little bit more private. So the Vision Pro goggles, if if, if anything, just to catch up on movies and anime, if it was $1,200, maybe, but almost four grand after taxes, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Right now it is. We shall soon see. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So y'all, this uh, this story here uh, that we're going to talk about, the, uh, the, the black tech talent gap is widening. Um, and you know, we, this is the kind of story that we talk about regularly on the tech, you know, but this, it, what caught my eye on this one, and I'm just going to read a little bit here. The black tech tap is the, the black tech talent gap is widening and it could cost black households $350 billion in lost wages by 2030. That's what actually made it stand out to me. It's like, okay, I already know that we lag. Uh, you know, behind our, you know, our, you know, our, our counterparts when it comes to just how many of us are in technology and tech and technology uh, related roles, but how much it actually is going to cost us because the technology gap is actually widening. So technology jobs in data science, engineering, cybersecurity and software development are expected to grow by 14% um, by 2023 or excuse me, 2032. But it's only expected to grow 8% in our community over that same period. So it's actually widening. It's, it's getting worse. So I just wanted to kind of open it up for, you know, discussion with y'all on, you know, what do you think is going on? Why are there fewer people, as it would seem, going into tech today as there were three years ago, five years ago? Why is it actually getting worse? I just want to kind of tap your, your opinions and your ideas on, on, on what you think is actually going on. Um, I don't know. Uh, speculation would be um, the push, I'd say maybe five, 10 years, maybe not 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, the push for development, the push for going into coding, going into coding just for the sake of going into coding was heavy about five years ago. Um, kind of, I don't know why, but I'm thinking like around the pandemic, things kind of leveled off as people was like, well, Learning how to code is cool, but I need to get some money right now because things is looking shaky because of this whole pandemic. So maybe um, I don't see the same sort of push for coding, all those boot camps, all the, you know, learn to code in the three months, you know, whatever case. I don't see that same push. Uh, also, maybe the proliferation of people making money online via influencers kind of has grown. It used to be bloggers, but then that kind of went away. And now content creators, if you're making videos, if you're making skits, if you're doing that sort of thing on TikTok, TikTok is new, you know, in the past four, three, four years. So a lot of people starting to take to that as, okay, that's my ticket to, you know, betterment as far as financial is concerned. Um, you know, we've heard DEI, that whole thing, that big push for people to get into that. But that was we everybody kind of knew that was kind of going to be temporary anyway. So um, I'm not sure as to why it's widening it, but I can definitely say the emphasis on getting into uh, tech, i.e. development, don't seem like it's the same, you know, just as five years ago. That's so I think opinion. that's a. Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. So like you mentioned, the big push for people to get into software development, whether it be through traditional means, by getting a, a CS a degree. degree from a university, right. whether it be a boot camp, whether it be self-taught. Software development is hard and uh, getting breaking into tech 
from a non-tech industry is hard as well. And it's one of those things where you don't really know what the expectation is. And I think a lot of people got into those boot camps because it was all you can make six figures uh, in three months after going to this boot camp. But a lot of people were going to the boot camps, finishing them. And I don't think and it's not just boot camps. It's, you know, undergrad self-taught as well. They're going through these programs and they aren't really getting the solid footing that they need. And then additionally, there are some snobs in the tech space that they you won't can't. hire you if you come through a boot camp. You need to have mm-hmm. a four-year degree. You need to have a CS degree. Or even if they let you in, it's kind of <laughs> looks down upon, which is completely ridiculous. But, you know, at the same time, you go into these um, interviews, which is the next part of it, is I've seen the conversation about when a minority, whether it be a woman, but typically a black person, the interviewer is harder on mm-hmm. a black person. And uh, interviewers have said this. They are harder on people of color, black people, um, Hispanic, indigenous, Asian, because it's one of those things where you really need to prove to me that you can do this and Mm -hmm. it can be discouraging. And when you're going Mm -hmm. to apply for these positions, people are applying, you know, four, 500, you know, applications, maybe getting one or two um, interviews and, you know, not getting offers. Or in a lot of these companies, there are so many rounds uh, to interview, you have the, you know, the first one, the recruiter reaches out where you get the background, then you do a screen, then you do a round one, then you do a round two with a, um, with your potential manager, then you do a round three with, um, a panel of people where they do whiteboarding, where you actually do live coding. Then you get to another round where it's like, are you, where you do the personality part of it? Are you a culture fit? And then, Even after that, after going through, say, five rounds of interviewing, sometimes a lot of times people are getting ghosted. They don't hear anything back or they take all this time and they don't um, get hired. And this is a lot of effort. It's very discouraging. I know um, I was interviewing with Google at one point um, a couple different times. And I ended up canceling the process because I was like, this is too much (laughs) on the initial recruiter. It was like, so let's plan for you to actually start the actual, you know, coding part of it. We'll give you three to six months to prepare just to go in to the interview, just to go into the first round of the interview. I interviewed with Amazon. I made it to like the third round and I didn't get an offer. Um, so it's one of those things where it's very disheartening, it's very discouraging. And when you have people who are making it even more difficult for you, um, it's one of those things where it's you, a lot of people just kind of give up on it because mm-hmm. it's like, you know what? Let me go and try and find something else because obviously I'm not cut out for this when likely most people are. And a lot of these coding exams or, um, coding, um, 
challenges. Some are take home. Some you do live coding. Imagine, you know, you're typing. You know how it is when you're typing an email and someone's kind of like over your shoulder or someone's watching you doing a presentation and you're trying to do something. You just bungle it all up. But you have someone sitting there just watching you. They give you a problem. Mm-hmm. Do A, B, C, and D. And you have to sit there. You can't use, and a, a lot of times you can't use any external sources. You can only use what's in your brain, which is not how it works in the real world. Mm-hmm. You Google more than anything where you're doing this. You can't use any outside type of help. And it's, you know, it's sometimes it's syntax. You've forgotten because you got this person watching you. Do I use a comma? Do I use a semicolon? You know, those types of things. And you have 30 minutes to do some of these where mm-hmm. the 30 minutes includes them giving you a problem, you asking questions on clarifying what exactly they want you to do. Then you have to code the solution and your solution has to work. And then if you're really being really jazzy, they want you to write unit tests to test what you've done. Oh, my goodness. All this is done in 30 minutes with someone watching you when you're already nervous anyway about being on a job interview. So it's just one of those things where getting in is really hard. It's a lot. Just going through the process. Yeah. And it's Mm -hmm. a lot when you know somebody already working there that can kind of, you know, skip you ahead of some things, but it's a very cumbersome process. And again, there are people who have biases, whether it be unconscious or not, they want to make sure, make sure, quote unquote, that you're actually good enough to work here. And these coding challenges are just made up things that don't even really apply to the work that you'd be doing. It's Mm -hmm. really really asinine. And so (laughs) that's one of, of the reasons why people choose not to, or they try and go into a different part of tech. So when people think tech, they just really think software development, um, engineering, but you have so many non-development Project type management. Mm-hmm. Right. That people, I think one of the other things is in that gap, they don't really emphasize the non-development type of roles. And people think in order to get into tech, I have to write code. Mm-hmm. That is completely not the case. There are so many other things you can do um, in in tech, but most people just hear about the coding part and it gets very intimidating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I actually uh, met a, a, you know, a young lady uh, over the holidays and, you know, I'm going to put her age out there, but she was a teacher for seven years. You know, she graduated out of, out of college, went into teaching, taught for seven years and then, um, you know, you know, got married, got pregnant, was actually pregnant with twins. So she was having somewhat of a distressed uh, pregnancy. So she basically was not able to finish um, like the second semester because she you know, she was kind of like on bed rest. She just couldn't be standing mm-hmm. up, couldn't do the teaching. So she basically, uh, you know, you know, went back in, you know, into the house and started you know doing things in the house. And she said, you know what? I don't even know if I really want to be a teacher anymore. Let me go. You know, let me go take one of these boot camps. So she mm-hmm. actually had the dream of, oh, I'm just going to take one of these boot camps because now I got like this all this time. I can go ahead and go through it and, you know, kind of did the self-study, got to the end of it. By the time the uh, middle of the summer got around, she thought she was just going to get a job just like that. And she's like, and that's what that's what they sell. That, that You know, it happens for some people that way, but it doesn't happen for most that way. And she said, so what she ended up having to do 
was um, she's like, okay, well, wait a minute. It's time for me to go back into the classroom. Am I going to do that? Or am I going to really go chase this dream of being a developer for her? She's a full stack developer. That's what she wanted to, you know, to do. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, well, I want to go back into the classroom because I need, I need these paychecks to come in. You know, my husband and I, we just had two kids and we, you know, wasn't planning on either one of them. And <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to go do that, make sure the benefits and everything is good. But she started doing volunteer projects where she was, you know, you know, going out and Hey, I'll, I just want to get the experience. I will work and do this, uh, you know, for free. And what it ended up happening, she ended up getting a lot of work with like nonprofits because they don't have the money to pay people. So if you've actually got somebody who has a skill set that's willing to donate their time to a project that you have, uh, you know, in her case, hey, we will give you all kind of uh, accolades and, you know, resume boosters and this and that and the other. And you can, you know, put your stuff on GitHub and you can show your work. So that's what it took for her. It took her, like I said, the, the, her second semester and into the summer of doing the boot camp, but then it took her another year of just doing side hustle projects in many cases for free um, for a lot of nonprofits. But once she had a year of projects and she was able to go and she show her GitHub, she had a portfolio, then the job offers started pouring in because she said what it did for her was that when they see that, oh, you did this, oh, you worked on this project, oh, you worked on this website, oh, you did these things, it no longer became a well, you need to go and, you know, and spend six months trying to show us that you know how to code. We actually can see that you know it because you've actually showed us some work that has your name on it. So that was just, you know, um, you know, one of the stories. Like, so we, we probably talked for a good 45 minutes about about uh, her journey. And I'm trying to get her to jump on a podcast because she speaks very well. But she's like, I don't know if I want to do all that. So I, I'm not going to pressure her, but I am going to pressure her to see if I can't get her to come on. But that was something that it made a difference for her was actually going out and getting the experience. And she said, it's like, you know, point blank is like, I, they weren't willing to pay, but they were willing to accept a donation of my time to work on this project. And it wasn't like, you know, light work. She's like, no, I'm spending like 20 hours a week working on stuff that I don't have any income to show for. But she says after a year of doing that, where she was looking, you know, I was just looking to get jobs that was going to replace my teaching salary when I first went into this, but after a year, she was like, I'm making like twice what I was making as a teacher after, after a year of experience working for these nonprofits. So that might be something that we need to put out into the ether more. It's not just go to the boot camp, well, go to the so, boot camp and get actual experience doing the thing. If you can find it, if you've got time and if you've got the, if you've got the ability the to do it, the, the mm-hmm. problem with the uh, black tech gap, for example, and all the things like Nika just mentioned, right? She had to go through interview at the interview at the interview at the interview. They mentioned something about six months to go prepare or whatever. Black people ain't got time to wait for six months to get a job. I need a job in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) What can I do to get a job in two weeks? Give me an interview. Maybe give me two interviews. But at the end of that two or three weeks, I need to know something or else I'm going to have to do something else, you know, versus some other people. They can go live with their parents. They can go crash with a brother or a sister. They can go, you know, they have all these different options that can uh, they can go back to school, you know, versus, you know, we, you know, a lot of black folks are already limited in the amount of resources they have off the jump because the black wealth gap is, you know, the way it says is black people as a whole only have like twenty thousand dollars as far as wealth is concerned. You know, we, we may be taking care of, like you mentioned, taking care of our kids 
also taking care of our parents. We need that money, Jack. And right. yes, you know, you, somebody tells floats the idea that, yeah, you can make $100,000, $200,000, you know, after you get done with the boot camp and after you prove yourself. But that's like two years on top of like mm-hmm. you just mentioned, Rob, taking jobs for free, a free job. <laughs> no. <laughs> so here's and what- like Saray mentioned, gatekeeping. That's a mm-hmm. huge thing that is, that is huge. as well. And, you know, that's that kind of leads into the point where, you know, um, interviewers are harder on certain demographics of people. So, and then even, you know, getting to that point is one of those things where it's, I don't want to say it's not made easy. And again, as black folks, we know that it's never, you know, twice as good to get half as far, you know, just a level playing field, apply all of the things to everybody across the board. If you're going to be super tough, on a certain demographic of people, be super tough against everybody. Or if you just kind of kind of float people through, oh, let me help you out. Let me help you through it. And do that with everybody. And we know that that's not the case and that's not how it works. And those are just things that are just additional blocks in the way of getting to where you want to go, which is getting, you know, breaking into tech. So... Yeah, I have another. Uh, and this is a really close friend of mine. She is a school teacher at a private school here in the Columbus area. And it's I mean, it's, it's a it's it's a really nice, uh, you know, you know, private school here. And you just hear the things that they do. They actually have curriculum for computer science and stuff like that. So it's not just it's not just learning to read, and write and do math and, you know, so on and so forth. They literally have coding classes that they're offering to fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders. And then they can take these, you know, actual classes that where you get accreditation as, as early as, you know, seventh and eighth grade. And then like if you do it in high school, they have a curriculum for it for high school students. So you literally have high school students who are graduating um, high school and they may have one or two years towards a uh, towards a degree in computer science mm-hmm. with the stuff that they were doing in high school going back to as I said fourth fifth grade when they started picking the stuff up and then you go to next door to the Columbus City School and it is do they actually have enough Chromebooks for all the students to use so that they can do their work um, let alone, do you actually have computer courses that you're offering to those students? Do you actually have computers that you could offer to the students so they can do all of the work that you actually are going to test them on um, before they get moved on to the next grade? Yeah. So that is a big part of it, too. And I didn't want to focus just on the, uh, you know, on the boot camp part of it, because the other part yeah. of this is just, you know, just STEM in general. Are we not pushing our kids enough into, um, you know, into these STEM categories? And, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. It does, you don't always have to be a program. You don't have to be a product manager. You could be a, you know, you, you could learn how to You could be a BA. You, you could you, be a QA. You could you, be, you know, a, an architect. There are yeah, so I, many I'm even things going with skilled do. trades, learn how to do HVAC, learn how to, you know, be a oh, plumber, okay, you know, gotcha. those type of things as well. But that ain't sexy, Rob. <laughs> they get paid though. <laughs> They, 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 electricians? they get paid. Electricians yeah. get paid. Yeah. Plumbers, but, they get paid. And it's, but you're right. right. It's not sexy. Whole, it's like you work with your hands. Why it's they like, push, 
And that's the whole reason why they push coding, 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 because coding is sexy. Yeah. Get behind the computer, all the movies. You see all the movies, somebody hacking. Oh, let me hack into the, I got my back door or my triple back door. And that's sexy. And and, they and all of it, it is lies. And all <laughs> of it is not reality. So as a person who I've worked in software development, pretty much my whole adult career as someone who has three STEM degrees, you spend a lot of time on Google. You spend mm-hmm. a lot of time um, pair programming. I can't figure out how to do something, but my friend over here might. Let's work together and figure this out. And I think what I guess this may come under, you know, STEM education is they aren't really focusing on the collaborative effort that it takes to do this work. They make it seem so singularly. I'm in my one little cube, just typing away. And, and, and that's not, that's not really the case. And I think a lot of kids, particularly minority kids, they're only getting the information as it relates to one specific aspect. And that is, I think, a deterrent for them wanting to go into the field mm-hmm. because they only have a narrow view of what to expect. That's why anytime I can speak or volunteer or, you know, go to like uh, girls who code or black girls code, anytime I can go and speak to those things, I try to because kids don't, if you don't see it, you don't know what it is Mm -hmm. and they have in their mind what it is, what the expectation is. And it's, and it's many times it's incorrect. They don't get the full focus of it. So I think education as with all things is key, but making sure that if we want to close this gap, we have to make sure that kids really know what to expect, what's going on, how to prepare, because otherwise you'll just think, you know, you know, like Terrence said, you're just sitting in a room, just, you know, on TV, you got all the screens, you got all the lights flashing, you're just typing furiously. No, you may type a couple lines and then, you know, like, you know what, this isn't working. Let me try something else. You delete the whole thing and just start from scratch because it's better to just wipe it and start over than to tinker with what you've done because it's a hot mess. So it's, it's, it's those things that we don't really stress, I think, or make you know, kids aware or even adults who want to pivot into tech know that what you see on TV, listening to a certain demographic or population of what goes into it is giving you a false sense of what it actually takes. Good conversation. I will just add this. If you are following someone on social media who's talking about all the accolades and everything that they've done from the boot camp that they're talking about, but they make more money promoting the boot camp that they're trying to get you to go to than actually doing the job. You might want to just rock back. I'm not saying that the information they're giving you is incorrect, but you, you, you might want to understand what the motivation for the information that's being given is. That, that, that is something that I think a lot of people get hemmed up on. You see all, oh yeah, you could do these boot camps, this and that and the other. And I'm making bank. And it's like, yeah, the bank you're making is off of selling the boot camp, not actually off of doing the coding, off of being a product manager, off of doing QA. So you got to do your research. So y'all, 
this last thing we want to talk about, I just want to ask you this. Do you, do you remember back in the wake of uh, George Floyd, uh, the George Floyd murder, you had all kinds of tech companies, including Google and Meta, setting up new programs aimed at supporting black employees. Google's uh, Sundar Pichai actually uh, said he had a goal to uh, build sustainable equity for Google's back black, excuse me, black plus community and externally to make products and programs helpful in the moments that matter most to Black users. Tech companies pledge to invest millions of dollars to improve diversity in their ranks and support external groups doing work on diversity, equity and inclusion. And it would appear that all that smoke lasted for about three years. So I kind of wanted to get your take on this because I remember, Tanish, when we started talking about this stuff, uh, you know, around the time when we first started doing the show. And, you know, you started seeing all of these DEI uh, programs that were coming out and all these things that companies want to do, even if it wasn't under the name of DEI, but they were going to do to try to, uh, you know, make sure that we are being inclusive of our black specifically, uh, you know, workers and, you know, our customers and this and that and the other. And you kind of took the, uh, you know, the stance of that sounds real good. Let's see how long you have to go until you don't have to do those things that you said when you can get away with not doing it. And that's when the program ends. And it's looking like it took about three years. Yep, so yep. All, all of the vocal commitments, all of the pledges, all of the checks. Black yeah. Yeah. Right. All of that. Um, it was just it was not want to say it was just that, but. Diversity, equity, inclusion. It's harder than vocal commitments. It's harder than pledges. It's harder than just writing checks. And when they found out that it's going to be a little bit harder, once they found out it's going to take longer, when they found out there are some people who are going to guffaw at the idea as some of these companies doing something specifically for this group that they're trying to attract into their companies, you know, or you add all that stuff up, the companies was kind of like, yeah, no. <laughs> because, again, you just can't hire a bunch of black people or you just can't give up millions of dollars to HBCUs or just tell your employees, hey, stop that, cut that out <laughs> and expect the problem to be resolved. You know, once they found out or came to the realization that this is going to be hard and it's going to take years on top of years on top of years. This ain't going to be a two year thing. This ain't going to be a, you know, once we hire 12% of people, you know, that matches the population of the United States, you know, there's roughly 12, 13% uh, percent of the population that's black. Well, well, let's just get our numbers up to 10, 11, 12%, you know, and then problem solved. It is not going to be that easy. And it's just like, yeah, we ain't got time for all that. And DEI has now been similar to the word woke has now been commandeered by a different segment of population where they're Pushing basically back. saying that woke and DEI is basically reverse racism. Mm -hmm. um, even after they got affirmative action thrown out of college um, admissions, it's still somehow black people's problem that, you know, people aren't getting into college or aren't getting hired. And, you know, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much you throw at it, disengaging, dismantling systematic racism is really, really hard because it's been centuries, centuries in the making. So just saying, oh, yes, we are going to do better. Oh, yes, we're going to fix this and not realizing the depth 
and the issues that come along with this and how ingrained it is into every aspect of our society. They realized, like Terrence said, how much work had to go into it. And they was like, nah, I'm out. Especially no. now when they don't have to. No, it's a culture change that has to happen. It's, it's you can't change culture in, in two and a half, three years. Yeah. It just can't happen that quickly. Yeah. And now that it's been three years since the murder of George Floyd, everybody made themselves feel better by saying, yes, we're going to invest in this. We have hired all of these DEI folks. We have com- you know, built from the ground up these DEI organizations. We've hired all these people. We have a whole new C-suite title for DEI. And when they got in to do the work, they realized again how hard it is and how hard it is to dismantle this. And with the tide turning in our political atmosphere, they don't have to anymore right. because now it's reverse racism just because one group of people says it is. And so now that's like, Ooh, glad I got my hands off that. Hmm. They said it's reverse racism. So we don't have to do it. Exactly. And it's just an easy out for them at this point to say, well, we can't really do it now because it's not really fair to some other people. And this was just their easy way out. I want to just throw a couple stats out here. By mid-2023, DEI-related job postings had declined 44% from the same time a year prior. In November of 2023, it dropped 23% year over year. That is a sharp contrast with the period from 20 to 2021 when those postings expanded by nearly 30%. So it's like, Days like, yeah, we, we, we done. We it, it move on. Nothing, nothing to see here is literally what these companies are saying. And the millions of dollars that they pledged to, you know, to, we're going to go reallocate that and do other stuff. And, and, and Nika, you're right. I, I think a big part of it is that you have billionaires right now who are literally saying that DEI is reverse racism. Um, you know, that is like, you know, that you, you should be able to say those words without losing your job. Literally, you have people who have billions of dollars that are saying that. Um, and they are, they're on campaigns to go out and, and make sure that these things don't exist in their companies, uh, you know, any longer. So, uh, you know, so Terrence, uh, three years is what it took. Was that your over or your under? Uh, that was about right. It was about on track. You know, it was going to take a couple years, uh, for them to realize it's going to be a little bit harder. And we just needed, we just wanted to be on the right side of history at the time. You know, when Jordan, the whole wake of George Floyd, you know, companies like, well, we want to make sure we're on the right side of history in this. We're in the history and, books of saying, yes, we agree. This is right. bad. Now time has passed. You know, it's like, all right, well, back to your regularly scheduled program. Yeah. So uh, your, your boy Elon Musk has something to say about this, uh, you know, a, a few big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, he, he was the one that was most vocal. And I think, Nick, you said it once he said it. Other folks kind of rock back. Thank you, Elon, for saying this, because now we can lean into what we've been thinking all along. And we always go back to on this show. Why? are things like DEI, why is diversity, equity, and inclusion an important thing from a business standpoint? You know, what does the company benefit from if you do these things? Well, every study, well, I don't want to say every study because there's probably some that can show the negative. Many studies, probably most studies have shown that when you actually are thinking about the communities that your products touch, when you're thinking about the communities that work on creating the products that your that your company offers, you tend to make 
not just a little bit more money, but it's significant. It is, you, you make significantly more as a company, as a, as a global organization, when you think about how the products that you create affect the people that you're creating them for. Because uh, I would tell you right now, if like, you know, um, you know, African-Americans in the country are about in, in between, was it 13, 13 and a half percent of the population, somewhere in that range, any company that just would lose 13 percent of their uh, of their money coming in what that, that CEO that CFO they would lose their jobs if they lost that kind of revenue coming in uh, you know you know at a at a company but that's not what they're looking at they're, you know they're not looking at well we're not losing that because we we do have African Americans who are buying our products it's like yeah we're buying in you know and bearing and grinning it a lot of times because it's like this is the only thing that is out there for us to go out and get but what they're failing to understand is that well if you were to think about these things you would actually make more and, and, and there, there's empirical evidence that shows this but the other side of this is that well wait a minute if you do something that helps this group specifically because of the, you know, the, the inequity that has existed in the system. Well, that's not helping me. And that may actually make it harder on me. So, so you get this, you know, you, you get these folks that are making these, these statements, well, wait, wait, I'm being discriminated against. It's like, you know, you're not specifically helping me. Um, you're helping this other person. That's not helping me. That's, that's discrimination. Um, it isn't, it, you know, when, when you actually dig into it and I'm not an expert on it. So, you know, I, I know that there are people who can talk about it, uh, way more eloquently than I can, but that is a, a big part of what goes on right now. You have a lot of folks who think that we're going to try to rectify these these uh, these patterns of systemic racism. And in doing so, I no longer get the hookup. Therefore, I'm being discriminated against. And that's that's a hard thing to fight. Nikki, you said it. this is not something you can do in one year, two years, three years. It, it literally takes, you know, um, in some cases, it might take a generation to actually make these changes of you doing the hard work. And you know, we think back to the, you know, we're, we're all too young to remember the civil rights era, but our parents definitely and our grandparents definitely lived through it. And for them, they had to, you know, we're not going to ride these buses for months. We're going to figure out how to get to work. We're not going to buy these products. We're going to have to literally make our own soap at the house because we're just not going to do this anymore because, uh, you know, it, you know, because of how we're being treated by this organization or this company that, that creates this product for us. Those type of things are hard and they take a lot of time in and order it's not for that companies. Blatant. Yeah. It's not that blatant. Back then it was black people. You cannot do this. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. They don't say black people. You can't do development at Google or meta or wherever the case may be. It's subtle. It's underlying. It's not the top issue, which is why, the people who are most affected, African-Americans, black people, brown people, whatever the case may be, were not as galvanized because it's not in our face. Mm -hmm. Now, if Sundar Pichai and Elon Musk, well, let's not talk about Elon mm -hmm. Musk because he pretty much said it. But right. some of these other people was like, eh, we really ain't feeling black people at Google. Then we would galvanize and say, well, I just ain't buying Google services no more. Give me get this phone back, whatever the case may be. That's not the case anymore. And to add on top of that, the uh, point you made, Rob, as a, as as it relates to focuses on some of these issues that we experience will make them more money. It ain't gonna make them no more money in three months. It ain't gonna make them more money in six months. It ain't gonna make them more money in a year, which is when they need to report earnings and when they need to send PR and have earnings calls with their shareholders. The shareholders is like, 
Where's the money in three months? Where is it in six months? Where is it in nine months? Problems like we're discussing right now, like you mentioned, Rob, it's going to take a generation. Mm-hmm. Companies ain't willing to wait a generation for the the time and the money that they invested in making it a world a better place for that finally to pay off to where now they've got 12%, 13% of black people in the workforce. You know, they're doing all these things and that makes brings in more money on the consumer side. They ain't waiting that long. Hmm, Three years. No, and you also have to think of the the cross section between race and class because there are a lot of black people who are very successful. There are a lot of black people who make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's thrown out as well. It's like, well, these black people over here are successful. Why can't you be like these black people? Mm-hmm. It's not racism because these people have done it. it. Right. Right. And so it makes despite, it seem as despite if despite racism, one, they just don't see it that way. Yeah. Right. And it, and it makes it seem as if the people who aren't successful is because they aren't trying hard enough because you have this standard over here of this class of black people who have, quote unquote, mated or have, you know, you know, pull themselves. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bootstraps and all that crap. No, there, there are and people it, who truly believe that America is a meritocracy, that you get everything based off of what you deserve. Um, they, I mean, they, they truly believe that. And, and you're not you're not killing that in three years. No. So these companies nope. is like, nah, we straight. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Like I was just reading something. The uh, former uh, CEO of Lululemon, I think he's a founder of it, uh, Chip Wilson. Yeah. It made some just some crazy comments about. Well, uh, in fact, what did he say here? He's facing Basically, backlash over comments. Or- yeah, it's yeah. like not everybody should is cut off our retro brand. So it has to be something that blatant because now it's probably going to happen because they have Lululemon shareholders that are like, uh, he said, what? Uh, what can we do? You can't do anything. He's no longer part of the company. He's still the largest shareholder. So I think he owns, is it, is, is it like 8% of the company or something like that? So he's definitely a billionaire off of that, but he can say what he wants to say. But the problem that Lululemon is now facing is that, Oh, well, what happens to us if everybody black and brown stops buying Lululemon because they think that this dude is just a flat out racist? He, t- he, he they think he, he basically told, us, told you he, it's not it, made for you. Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I, you know, this is not for you. We don't, you know, I really don't want you wearing my stuff. And then they were to stop. That is what, you know, the company is going to change, but only until you get past this crisis that they're having right now. And then, you know, you may go back to, you know, business as usual. So it is, it is it's something that, you know, that we need to keep an eye on. We, you know, we need to, you know, to work and get better at this, but making, th- making something. And, you know, I, I try to explain this whenever I am able to have a conversation with someone who may have a difference of opinion, but there can be conversation to be had. And it's like making something fairer for someone is not discriminating against you. You know, you you have these, you know, because a lot of times folks don't want to believe anything you have to say about white privileges like that is such a trigger word for so many folks. But it's like if I am just leveling the playing field, that is not discriminating against you. It is trying to remove the discrimination against them. But the way that the human mind works is that, well, wait, I'm not getting hooked up anymore. That's a problem for me. I don't want this. So. Absolutely. And the thing is that fact that people still believe there there like you said there are people who are not black who think that all black people go to college for free wherever they go just because they're black it's people who really 
still think that now that just, you know, they've been told these stories by their grandparents or parents or, you know, just through community that because you're black, you automatically get free everything that you get into school or get into college just because you're black. And it's just like the untangling, the unraveling of these mindsets is, is, I don't know. It's a a maze that you can never unravel. And I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah. And to make it matters worse, uh, y'all mentioned Lululemon and this dude, Chip Wilson, you know, he made those comments and I'm just going to read this and I'm done. Wilson's remarks do not appear to have affected Lululemon stock price, which at nearly $500 a share currently sits at an all time high. Wilson remains the company's largest single shareholder with holdings worth more than $4 billion, according to Securities mm-hmm. Exchange Commission. So on top of all that, they can say whatever and nothing happens. Their money thing, has not changed. Right. So yeah. all the more reason for them to be like, yeah, we're going to move on from this. Nothing to see here. He's not involved with the company. Let's keep going. Keep going and buying our $150, you know, socks. <laughs> um, I do wonder, like there's there's nothing from Lululemon that I'm ever going to wear. But I do wonder um, as this gets out. He, he said, what? He, 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 hold on. He, he, what did he say? Is, is it Man. will it affect anything? No. No, it hasn't yet. Absolutely but will not. It, so it, no. if anything, it drives more people who have those same thoughts to buy more. We've seen it with, you know, other, you know, with beer the beer and, and, and mm-hmm. all these things. It's like or a person says, you know, my thing is for only, you know, white people or white men or men or whatever the case may be. And the people who agree with it, they flock to whatever that thing is, be like, yeah, this is what I believe too. This is right. Let's, you know, but it flocks. The people that you lose is basically negligible to the people that they gain from just the knowledge of them being, whether it's racist, whether it's misogynist, whether it's, whatever the ism is, the people who have that same ism, they're like, well, these are my people. I need to go buy their stuff. And the the amount of people that they lose they unfortunately they they are net positive on yeah. on the return of it. Yep. Well, y'all, I'm looking at the time. We are uh, we're well past the top of our hour, and this was good conversations here in the show. Nika, it was absolutely a pleasure having you on the show, guys. We haven't had a new patron in in a minute. We've had some raises. <laughs> Yeah, we have not had any new patrons this whole daggone year. I mean, the whole year we ain't had any. The whole so, year. But I do, you know, but I do want to shout out some folks. Mario Wilson gave us a raise here in the new year. And I want to make sure I'm saying this name right. It's Andretta Cabario gave us a raise this year as well. So we want to uh, thank you for, for increasing what you are donating to us with your membership over on Patreon. So for those who are willing to do that, once again, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John. And there are multiple tiers over there. Any one of which gets you access to our live stream and after party, and you can come hang out with us and hang out in our discord and all those kind of good things. So, um, 
So Saray actually said that is one of our founding 50 members. Uh, she has been rocking with us since almost the beginning. She was like, I feel like I'm missing out when I uh, when I when I don't listen to ads. If you would like to listen to ads and you are a patron, more power to you. We, you, you, we will just say you are a real one when you do that, when you have the opportunity not to. So, yeah, you don't have to listen to your Patreon feed if you don't want to. But uh, but that is a benefit that you get. You don't have the ads that we have in our pre-roll, mid-roll and post-roll of the show if you choose to become a patron and actually support the show financially. So with that being said, Nika Mofford, go ahead and tell folks how they can get at you. You can pretty much find me at Tech Savvy Diva everywhere. And you can find me all over the internet at Brother Tech. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. And additionally, you can find me and Nika every Friday on SnobOS. Uh, definitely go to SnobOSCast.com to get all of that information on when we record, when we air and when you can be a part of our community. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at the Tech John on all the things. So come holler at us wherever you holler. Until we meet again in a week's time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Peace. Peace.